We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Rakumski coming to you from my office in New Athens, Illinois. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis, where I serve as pastor. And uh, this is Wrestling Wrestling with with the Basics. basics. Uh, So Matt, you know, a a few weeks ago I shared with you that I'm really becoming a curmudgeon. I'm I'm sorry, you just have to live with me. I'm getting old, cranky, uh, and I shared with you my curmudgeonliness about the whole season of Lent. I remember that. We we had a member here at Ascension that commented on that. Oh, is that right? What they say, Matt? Yeah, Clarence, Clarence, if you're listening, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, they just thought it was funny that you are in favor of shortening the season of Lent. Uh, (laughs) I have a feeling that others might join. Join, join you in that endeavor too, John. <laughs> well, good, good. Maybe I can get a popular movement going here. Because <laughs> honestly, do we need do we need six weeks of Lent? But but my wife actually came up with the best proposal of all. So thank you, Lynn, for this suggestion. So Lynn suggested what we should do is we should give up Lent for Lent. <laughs> Wait a second. You can do that? (laughs) I don't know. Isn't that what you're supposed to do during the season of Lent is give something up? Why didn't someone think of this earlier? I don't know. So we're just going to give up Lent for Lent. So thank you again, Lynn. Uh, So we want to return one last time to the whole story about uh, Luke 6 with this this powerful commandment about you should love your enemies. Matt, you want to just give a really brief summary of what, what, uh, what you had to say about that? And then I'll share with you some five Final comments that I want to make about that. Uh, love your enemies. Yeah, yeah, boy, that is just countercultural. That's one of the things that we recognize is that goes against pretty much anything that you hear uh, in our world today, and not just today, John, but even back in Jesus' day and since the fall of Adam and Eve. To love your enemy is just it's countercultural. It goes against our sinful nature. It goes against our sinful selves, and yet that's what Jesus calls us to do. Uh, it's a radical call. Uh, we talked a little bit about how we see examples of that in the Bible, though, right? We see oh, yeah. uh, Stephen. Oh, boy, what an example that is, that Stephen, even as he's being stoned, really the first of the New Testament martyrs, we could call him, uh, he even says, uh, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. You know, of the people who are throwing rocks at him until he dies. I mean, that's that's remarkable. Oh, yeah. yeah, Remarkable. They're, they're his enemies. <laughs> they are killing him. <laughs> uh, and yet he still cries out to the Lord in their behalf. And then, of course, the, the ultimate one uh, is Jesus Christ uh, from the cross, uh, totally innocent, totally sinless, and yet nailed to the cross, uh, crucified, uh, beaten, all that he goes through. And yet Jesus still says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So uh, Jesus, an example for us, but even more than an example, he is the reason why we can love our enemies, uh, because Christ has done that for us on the cross. And then we also talked about how we're too counted among those enemies. <laughs> you know, when, when Jesus' father forgive, 
uh, we're counted among those he cries on on behalf of. And uh, I think it was the book of Romans, John, we looked at a little bit where it talked about how we are, we are enemies to God until we were reconciled through Jesus Christ. Um, You know, I think of the baptismal service uh, in our baptismal liturgy. It talks about how uh, we are um, captive to the devil uh, until Christ claims us as his own. Uh, We're enemies of God uh, until Jesus changes that. Uh, And he changes that through reconciliation. He changes that through the waters of baptism. So that's kind of a really brief recap of that, that radical call to love our enemies uh, and ultimately, Jesus is the one who, the only one who makes that possible for us, the one who's already made us no longer his enemy, uh, but his sons and daughters. And, and and the powerful thing about that Romans passage is it says, while we were yet enemies. Yeah, so, so <laughs> that's right. It wasn't when we became his friends he did this, but when we were still, still his enemies, he did this. Uh, that's great. Uh, it's not like we had to become lovable enough first or do yeah, anything first. Yeah. No, we're, we're his enemies already. And and. God has done it all. Jesus has done it all. And, and in a couple of weeks, uh, I hope to give yet another example of this, of Jesus practicing what he preaches as we share with you the story of a, a man named Malchus. But that, that, that's for the future. Um, so I was thinking about what you said, that, 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 that no Roman, no Greek, no Jew— even the Jews would never suggest that you should love your enemies. Uh, but it occurred to me there's also another thing in this Luke chapter 6 passage that no Roman, no Greek, no Jew would have said either. Um, so it's verse 35. I, I kind of caught you off guard. Did you have your Bible open to this? Oh, yeah, chapter? I'm, okay. I'm, I'm set. All right. So if okay. you would read verse 35 and I'll share some of the, again, something new I learned uh, when I was preaching on this a few weeks ago. So verse Great. 35. Okay. Uh, oh, no, no, says, it isn't verse 35. Okay. Yes, it is verse 35. I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs> Just slap me, Matt, would you? All right. All right. <laughs> See, that's the problem now that we're doing this remotely. Because used to be you could slap me and we'd, everything would get back to where we needed to be. That's but right. I kind just, of, it, it kind of resets you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so go All ahead. right. All right. Here, here we go. Yeah. Verse 35. Jesus says, but love your enemies, okay, and yeah. do good uh, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. All right. So, so the the verse there that you would never hear anyone else but Jesus say is, "For He, that's the uh, that's God, the Most High, for He is kind." He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So I did a little study on the word kind, and there's nothing really special. It's really a very common Greek word, and it just means to be uh, kind. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the insight, Jack. Yeah, well, you know, to be nice to people, uh, to do good things to people. Yeah. Yes. Kratos, for those of you who want to check it out in their Greek dictionaries. But what surprised me, what I'd never learned before is that the Greeks seldom would use that word of their gods. Oh, um, okay. Well, that is but, interesting. And, and you know, the reason they wouldn't is because kindness is is a, a good thing. No one's arguing about that. But sometimes, you know, kind people are just a little bit stupid, maybe. It's that maybe overstated. Well, so Lynn told me the example, and this is a sad, sad story. And so we don't mean to laugh at this, but but there was a gal and she was being kind to a homeless person. 
she allowed this person to actually come in and take a shower in her house because this person had not had any opportunity to bathe or anything like that. And then this person strangled her to death. Okay. Oh, no. But, wow. you know, that's how it is when you're kind because you just don't know how people can react. And there's just some situations, Matt, where you probably shouldn't be kind, where it's kind of the simple, f- foolish people who who are kind. And that's how the Greeks regarded kindness. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a good thing as a whole, but, you know, you don't want to be foolish about kindness. And so that's why they would never, ever use it of their gods, okay? They wouldn't call yeah. their gods kind. Yeah, kindness yeah. almost viewed as a weakness, you know, a, a detriment almost. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. it is. They would see that as, as not necessarily a plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, though, it's interesting. The Old Testament calls our God, the Lord, kind all the time. Uh, and I'm going to read you a passage, and you tell me which word is actually kind uh, in the original uh, Greek uh, Septuagint. Uh, Psalm 106.1. Uh, you know this passage. You love this passage, Matt. We all do. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, which word do you think there is actually kind? Well, the word good is my guess. You got it. Ding, 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 right. ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we need a bell or something. <laughs> you know, we're, right. we're without our sound effects. We're not in studio. Exactly. We don't even have our sound effects. We've, we've resorted to making our own sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So he's, he is good. He's kind. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, here's another passage. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is... Good. good or kind, I guess. But, but again, the word, same word, huh? Same word, same word. He's okay. kind. So, so the Jews were not reluctant at all to call their God kind. However, they would never, when, when they said he was kind, they meant he was kind to them. To them, <laughs> to his people, right? <laughs> well, because they are his people, Matt, right? Yes. yes they're yeah. the chosen house of Israel. They're, 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 they're the chosen children of God. So, of course, he's going to have steadfast love for us. Of course, he's going to be kind to us. But no, we don't really think he's going to be kind to the Gentiles, to the outsiders. No, that would just be ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So, I was surprised to see that only Christians, only Christians would regard God as being kind to everyone. He's kind to all. In fact, don't you love that passage for he is kind to the ungrateful and the yeah. evil even? Yeah. What? Yeah. But, um, so, so see, that's the thing. We, we have prop, probably the most powerful law you can ever find in this uh, Luke 6, verse 35, love your enemies. Uh, you know, Moses comes to me, Matt, and he says, oh, John, don't commit adultery. Oh, John, don't murder. And I say, oh, no problem. <laughs> I've, I've been doing that all along. Yeah. <laughs> that's no big deal. <laughs> uh, of course, you know, Jesus comes up with his anointing. Of course, if, you, if you've if you lusted at a woman, you're already yeah. an adulterer. If you're angry with your brother, you're already a murderer. Leave it to Jesus. Jesus. Leave, it, leave it to Jesus. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, because I think all of us know that our initial response is not to be kind to people who are enemies. Quite the opposite. Um, and yet in this passage, you got really the best gospel you can yes. find anywhere, don't you? That's what the Lord does. That's just how he is. 
uh, as you said earlier, it's not because of anything we've done, not because we've become more friendly, but he's just kind. That's what he is. He's kind. Yeah. Uh, and I really like that verse about, oh, taste and see the Lord is kind. How, how often do you guys celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, there at... Uh, uh, every week. So every weekend. Okay. Uh, and, and have you ever gone to the Lord's Supper and, and Jesus didn't say, take, eat? Uh, this is my body given for you. Take drink. This is my blood shed for you for the uh, forgiveness of sins. Has he ever once not said that, Matt? Yeah, every time we come, that's that's his word. That's his promise. Yeah, because you see, oh, taste, oh, taste, and see that the Lord is kind. So anyway, those were just some, uh, uh, and then if I could throw in one final passage, it's kind of what you said already, Matt. Yeah. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind. Again, we got the same word, kratos. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And Yeah, yeah. And you said that. That's why we are kind. Uh, not that it makes God kind to us, but because... Well, that's how God is, and sometimes that's how we are, too, uh, reflecting that kindness. Uh, any other thoughts you want to say about that, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I just affirm that, boy, this is a word of gospel, you know, that this is who God is. He, you know, he doesn't have to be kind. He's God Almighty. He could be a jerk. I guess. <laughs> but this is, this is God's well, thank character. Thank God he isn't that. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that's his character is is kindness. And, you know, don't don't take that for granted, you know, that to, to celebrate that to give thanks to God for his kindness. And and I think even more gospel too is, you know, he's kind to who's he kind to? The ungrateful and the evil. Oh yeah. Well I, I'm I'm part of that ungrateful. And uh but because of my sin, I'm even part of that evil. So God is kind to us, kind to me. And like you said, boy, we see that reflected tangibly in the Lord's Supper, for instance, where he, yeah, he offers us Christ's body and blood for forgiveness, uh, for restoration. Uh, that is a beautiful, beautiful message. So, Matt, we, we, I think we're done with that for now. And, and what a great passage. And just to remind people that we hear it, and it seems like this terrible, terrible law. But if you actually listen to it, it's not about us. It's about Jesus and the fact that, yes, he is kind, uh, as you said, even to the ungrateful and the evil. But where do you want to, where do you want to go from here, Matt? You, you, what story would you like yeah, to thanks, pick up Yeah, thanks, John. Next? Great insight. Let's let's stick in the book of Luke, okay. um, but we're going to go to Luke chapter 4. So we're going to go All a right. couple of chapters before this. And since we are in the season of Lent, um, as much as you don't like it, John, uh, <laughs> uh, one of the things uh, that I think every year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the season of Lent really gets kicked off with this same account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Uh, I think there's a number of reasons for that. One of them is, yeah, how many days is he in the wilderness, John? 40. 40, 40 days. days. Yeah. So um, I guess that's why we got to have to, we got to have 40 days. There you one. go. No, <laughs> so, we don't need to have No, that. we don't. You I could know. choose I... another story where he's not so long. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> um, so 40 days of Lent, 40 days in the wilderness. We got 40s all over the place. And, uh, you know, certainly... The, the 40 years that the Israelites were in the wilderness themselves um, reflected in this account, too. So this really kicks off the season of Lent, reminds us in many ways, well, what what Lent's about? And when we'll look at that. Um, and that is interesting, too. I think there's those 40 years in the wilderness that Israelites, you know, do they remain faithful to God? Do they resist Satan's temptations? Nope. nope. <laughs> they, no. they fail time and again. They're grumbling. They're sinning. Uh, but Jesus... Oh, boy, uh, he in those 40 days, he does what Israel can't do, 
Uh, he is the faithful servant. He is the faithful chosen one, and he resists temptation perfectly. Uh, don't want to spoil the account for us, but um, we, we thank we thank God that oh Jesus did that for us. So okay, we'll we'll look at Luke uh, chapter four, uh, the temptation of Jesus, and um, yeah, John, I guess by way of introduction uh, of this account, I thought we could talk first, uh, maybe a little bit about uh, something that's probably on everyone's mind. Okay. Um, we're pre-recording this, so I don't know what the circumstances with Ukraine are going to be oh, yeah. <laughs> when people yeah. hear this. <laughs> but we're, we're recording this, um, you know, toward the, the first part uh, of March. So, um, you know, if this is, if something happens between now and then, <laughs> that, that kind of sours some of this, well, you know, forgive me. But uh, but I think it's, it's very relevant and eh, it's certainly what's on people's minds. Um, and I think probably the most talked about person in the world, maybe right now, is uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's what, he's what a the hero. Pro- he's turned out to be. Yeah, well, yeah. And wasn't he like a TV comedian or something? Did exactly, I? John. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, wanted, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, that's a great lead. And so, so Zelensky, president of Ukraine. Uh, but before that, you're exactly right. He, he was an actor. Uh, he created and starred in a comedy series. And d- did you do you know what the comedy series was about, John? He was president, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he plays this guy who's a history teacher yeah. and apparently gives this, you know, as a history teacher, is very impassioned and, and, and loves his nation. And I guess one of his students takes a, a video of him and and it goes viral. And boy, everyone loves what he has to say. And so he gets elected president of his nation. And it's kind of the story of, of this sort of humble every man becoming this historic leader for his country. Uh, so that that's okay, that that's the fictional part, right? That's yeah, the, yeah. the sitcom. Uh, but yet, boy, it, it's it's uncanny how true to life that becomes. Isn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. really is. It's like an episode of The Simpsons, because that everything the Simpsons has then comes true too. Comes so, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> so it comes true. You know, he becomes president. He becomes yeah. president. So the, the 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 name of the TV show, John. Do you know the name of the TV? No, show I do not know in? that. That's okay. You know, why yeah. would you know that? I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't. You probably don't watch much Ukrainian television. I'm guessing. <laughs> no, we, when we when we lost cable, we lost that. <laughs> you lost the Ukraine channel. <laughs> that was my favorite channel because you know I am Ukrainian myself. Just so you know, oh, I got really? some skin okay. in this. Yeah, yeah. My okay. Family All right. I did not. I did not know that. Yeah. Um. So the name of the show was. Servant of the People. Servant oh, of the People was the oh, name of the show. And, yeah. you know, just reflecting on that, like you like you alluded to, John, um, wow, you know, Zelensky's really kind of come out as, as a servant of the people uh, in these last couple of weeks. Um, he talked to the European leaders uh, on a video conference and he told them, you're probably not going to see me again in person. Um, I mean, he realizes that yeah. he likely will not <laughs> make it alive out of this conflict, this war uh, that's taking place. And it seems like the, the U.S. realizes that too. Our, our nation uh, offered to extricate him uh, out of the country, out of Kiev, out of, um, out of the Ukraine, and let him set up a government in exile. Uh, so he would be still alive and he'd still be leading some of those key leaders and he'd be safe. He'd be in a place of safety. And uh, Zelensky turned it down. 
Yeah, uh, he, yeah. he could have done that. That's kind of a nice perk of being president. You can get, <laughs> you can get, a, a, you know, a safely extricated, extricated, uh, you know, to a safe place uh, somewhere else. Uh, but he, he really is uh, living up to the name of the Vet TV show. He's being a servant of the people. He's suffering there right alongside with the people of Ukraine and uh, even fighting, uh, fighting the fight alongside of them. Uh, pretty amazing, really, when you think about it. So what does this have to do with Jesus? <laughs> well, uh, I, I can see temptation. some parallels there, but go ahead, Matt. Yeah, yeah well, good. Well, let's talk about that. I, I think you know, Jesus, uh, we could very well call him a servant of the people. Yes. Uh, In so, fact, you know, he called and, himself that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Son of man didn't come to serve, or didn't come to be served, but to serve. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I that's the verse that came to my, my mind, too. And and we see that in his temptation. Um, he's certainly not being served in his temptation. <laughs> Hungry, no. 40 days in the wilderness. He's there serving. Yeah, he's there because of us, ultimately. Uh, this isn't benefiting him. This is this is for our benefit uh, to remain faithful to his mission, uh, faithful to, to his father. Um, so, you know, wh- when this takes place, as you know, John, what, what happens right before this temptation in the wilderness? Do you remember he's, in Jesus' life? I, I believe he's just been baptized, hadn't he? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah just yeah. been baptized. I just heard that voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Uh, so he goes into the wilderness. He's on this mission to be a servant of the people. Uh, and then Satan does all that he can during this temptation to distract and deter Jesus from that mission. And, to and, and, yeah, to prevent him from being a servant to the people, ultimately. And, and you know, it's interesting because uh, Luke ties this temptation of Jesus to the baptism of Jesus because you got this intermediary genealogy that Luke throws in at that point. But in the baptism, of course, the Spirit descends on him, right? The Spirit descends on him. And then in uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit. So you're right. The Spirit comes upon him, and the Spirit immediately puts him into that servant mode and immediately puts him into the position of temptation, which I think that's interesting because we would think the Spirit, well, don't we pray, lead us not into temptation? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. But but here, no, no, Jesus is led right into the midst of it, uh, which is maybe why we can pray, lead us not, because <laughs> Jesus has already done it. Exactly. But whatever. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I'm glad you brought up that genealogy, too, because, okay, Jesus' baptism, we have the voice from heaven that says, you know, this is my son, listen to him. You know, so we see in Jesus' baptism, who he is. He's the son of God, the son of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's a concluding word. You know, you got him, uh, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good yeah, point. yeah. 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 So I really like that. That's how the genealogy ends, right? A son right. of Adam, son of God. So Matthew's genealogy, if I remember right, doesn't, you know, no. end, go all the way back to God. But, Abraham, but, I think. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I believe so. But Luke's does. And so that's really literally <laughs> the last word, son of God, and then we go to the temptation in chapter four. And so Satan is trying to distract Jesus from his mission as a servant of the people. He's trying to even, you know, as strange as it sounds, he's really trying to get Jesus to doubt that he's the son of God, that he really is. Um, he really is uh, this this chosen one. Uh, and we see that in the temptations. If you are the son of God, turn the stone into bread. If you are the son of God, uh, throw yourself down from the temple. And and Matt, maybe not necessarily, let me just have a thought here, maybe not necessarily to doubt that he's the Son of God, but to doubt what it truly means 
to be the son of God. Yeah. What? Yeah. 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 What does it mean? Yeah. Well put, John. What does it mean to be the son of God? And be the son of God means to to be a servant of the people. Uh, it means to fulfill his mission, what he's come to do. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the thing I think is interesting too is, and, and we'll have to wrap up pretty soon for this week, but you know, back in Genesis chapter three, uh, how does Satan tempt Adam and Eve? Well, he does so in, in conversation with them and questioning them and things that sound pretty innocent. And he, he does the same tactic here of Jesus. Conversation with Jesus, questioning Jesus, you know, things that seem pretty innocent, you know, turning a stone into bread. Well, that doesn't seem, well, what harm could that do, right? But yet, there's fine print to, to Satan's temptation, and that's exactly what the fine print is, what you said, to distract him, to get him to doubt what he does now uh, and, as the and, Son of God. And it's interesting, he challenges Adam and Eve's concept of whether they're the sons and daughters of God, and he also is doing the same thing to us, I believe, oh, day yeah. in and day out, Matt. Exactly. Um, so so this is a great start to the temptation of Jesus. Uh, and we'll be back to talk about it more next week on Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. The basics.